At Seek Safely, it's our mission to empower seekers to have a safe and meaningful self-improvement journey. Why do we care? Seeking to be your best self is an amazing, beautiful human impulse that has led us to create art, invent technology, tell amazing stories, and reach the moon. But we saw the dark side of self-help in 2009 when a recklessly run self-improvement retreat led to the death of three people, including my sister, Kirby Brown. We want people to seek, to dream their big dreams and chase their beautiful goals. But we want to make sure they're safe along the way. This podcast is about education and empowerment and getting real about the promises and problems of self-help. We talk with people who understand and care about the self-help industry and everyone it touches. I'm Jean Brown. I'm Dr. Glenn Patrick Doyle. And And this this is the the Seek Seek Safety Podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for our second night of live streaming here on Seek Week. Seek Week. (laughs) I love it. So, yep, tonight we are talking all about our legislative effort. So many of you know, and for those of you who don't know, we have been working for many years now to get some essentially self-help consumer protection legislation because our organization is based in New York, because that's where the Brown family is from and where Kirby grew up. That's where we have focused our effort. So, Yep, it's currently working its way through the New York State Assembly and Senate. And as we're learning, it's a it's a long process. I actually have a master's degree in public policy. So I always try to like be the voice of reason and assure people, yeah, it does take a while and that's okay. So <laughs> not only is that thoughts okay. on that. You guys, you don't even know, just before we came on, Jean was trying to sell me and Ginny, like, it's actually a good thing that we've <laughs> taken this long, that that it has evolved so much. And Ginny and I are like, yeah, but we really would just like it passed <laughs> at this yeah. point, actually. I think we started so, the process in 2016, or was it 15? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was so I joined the org, I think, in 2016 or 17, and it was already a thing then. And we can talk a little bit about just broadly before we get into the, the actual legislation, we can get into a little bit about why we as an org consider legislation to be important, right? Right. So, so Seek Safely has always had kind of two two tenets to kind of what we do. Um, on the one hand, we are an educational organization, right? Mm-hmm. We've always really prioritized you know, kind of that that outreach and educational piece that's really directed at the consumers of, mm-hmm. of self-help products and services. So we've done things like publicize red flags. And we've done things like uh, publicize and tell the stories of, of not just... Kirby and James and Liz, but other people who have been victimized and hurt kind of by exploitative and and predatory self-help personalities and organizations. So education has always been kind of one pillar of, uh, of, of our mission, but the other pillar has been advocacy. And something that really struck me, like I can speak to when I came into the org, it was right when James Arthur Ray was making his big comeback, his big comeback. He, he'd gotten out of jail, he'd gotten out of prison. And he immediately went right back into the self-help industry. And I remember thinking, shouldn't that, should that be legal? 
like like he has behaved horribly here. He demonstrably horribly. He went to prison. I was thinking about um, in recent years, guys. I, I was thinking about um, you remember the the Theranos scandal with Elizabeth mm -hmm. Holmes mm -hmm. and similar corporate scandals like that. Mm -hmm. When corporate executives are uh, behave badly and they're found guilty, um, usually as part of their punishment, they don't just go to prison, but usually there's some sort of stricture placed on them so they can't go right back into that industry. It right. really struck me that James could go right back into the industry. And one of the reasons for that, as we found, is that there is really very little, if any, regulation or you know, standards of practice or ethics codes associated with the self-help industry. So we feel right. as an org, we are in a unique position to kind of help states start to craft some common sense legislation and regulation. And it's really kind of philosophically where our, our legislative effort comes from. Exactly. Yeah. Right after the incident in Sedona, the, the way we kind of framed it was we said, if this was a product, uh -huh. it would have been recalled. Big time. Because the people, the consumers used it as directed and they they died or they were harmed. And not only were they harmed, you know, this one time, in previous years, James Ray had run the same event and people had been hurt. So it was kind of like an inevitable thing that people were going to get very hurt at this event. And yet he had continued to run this event. He had been able to run it. And as you said, Glenn, even after he was on trial and he went to prison and he served his sentence, he was able to come out and still continue in this industry because the industry itself has no formal structure to it that can, you know, license people or give them some type of authority to practice and then revoke that authority if it's found that they're practicing in an unsafe or unethical manner. So yeah, that's that's exactly it. That is why right from the start we said there's a legislative or a regulatory gap here that enables people to practice in a way that in other industries like medicine or you know psychology, teaching, I mean so many industries that have some sort of professional organization to them that protects the, the consumers and the users so that if that practitioner is doing something wrong, they can no longer practice. Well, the self-help industry doesn't have that. So right. that is why right from the beginning, we identified that as part of our mission that we felt was really an important aspect of protecting self-help consumers. So, yeah. And to be clear, the, the legislation is really targeting people that don't have any professional credentials. They, they don't have a professional license or professional credentials. Now, we do know that sometimes professionals also act irresponsibly. But as Jean is saying, people can complain. There's a place for them to go to for that person to be censured. So yeah. in New York State, this legislation is aimed at folks who are in the self-help industry that do not have a recognized professional certification, a professional degree, license of some kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, the lack of, of regulation, of oversight. And, and trust me, like, I'm not a guy, like Gene and I talk about this all the time. Like, like, I'm not actually a guy who thinks that government regulation solves every problem. I'm a, I'm a small business person, actually. Like, I'm, 
but the lack of oversight and the lack of regulation is such that it's become a running joke that, boy, do you want to be a therapist, but you don't want to go through all that pesky school? Do you want to be a therapist and you don't want to go through all the, all the hassle of all the red tape? The Become a life coach, right? Like write a book, become a spiritual guru of some kind. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see when we talk about figures in the self-help world. This is really what, uh, what we've seen done. Like, folks like like Keith Ranieri or folks like Teal Swan, they're not credentialed, mm-hmm. right? Now they might have great insight. I don't know if those particular examples I just cited are perfect examples of that, but they, whatever, <laughs> they might have great insight. But the issue, like, like uh, Jenny just said, is all about, you know, look, if and when something goes wrong, if and when something goes haywire, what then? Like you can't go to a, an uncredentialed person and say, hey, you are behaving inconsistently with your ethics code because the James Arthur Rays would go like, I never claimed to be a therapist. You know, I never claimed to be a financial advisor. Why, why did you take my advice? Right. Mm-hmm. So this is that gap that we're looking to fill with this legislation. Yeah. Right. So part of, you know, part of what we do is, as we talked a little bit last night, we created the Seek Safely Promise which is a promise that practitioners can take to basically just assert the fact that they have, you know, your safety in mind, that they're going to practice ethically. And as we explained, it's a very simple set of standards and it's not legally binding. It's just something that we created kind of as a signal to both the practitioner and to the consumer that, you know, this is a commitment the practitioner is making. Because we said, well, in the absence of any sort of professionalism within the industry itself, we can invite practitioners who want to practice ethically to kind of make this commitment. But again, that's, you know, just it's a, it's a completely voluntary thing and it has no, no legal bearing of any kind. So we still feel that there's a space for something a little more robust. So, yeah, as as <laughs> as Glenn was saying, I'm I'm trying to tell everybody it's okay that it's taken a while. <laughs> you know, one of the things with policy and with legislation is that it can have unintended consequences. You know, you, you do have to take it seriously and give it a lot of thought what all of the kind of possible impacts of any kind of legislation or policy could be. Mm-hmm. So that's part of why it takes a long time. You know, another issue with with this particular question of consumer self-help consumer safety, we see bills and laws get passed really quickly when there's like some big splashy thing that happens that everybody's paying attention to and that everybody immediately says, oh my gosh, we need some law to fix this or to deal with this. And then sometimes there are big splashy issues. Uh, We have many examples in the U.S. right now where even though those are big splashy issues, it still takes a long time for legislation to go through because there might be some disagreement about what that should look like. With this issue of self-help consumer safety, for our family, there there was a big splashy incident that pointed to this. But for, you know, society at large, there hasn't been the kind of attention on this issue that would help to push some kind of law or legislation through in a very 
quick manner. So that's part of also why it's been this kind of gradual process. Sure. Well, and, and, and you hit on a really relevant issue of like, well, when there is that big splashy event, there's very often a, a cultural impetus to do something. Mm-hmm. But yeah. something that our organization has been really looking to highlight is that, you know, so sure, there are these terrible things that happen. There, There is the, the, the Sedona or the, you know, what Nexium turned into with, with DOS, right? Sure, there are those events. But something our organization has really seeked to raise consciousness about is the fact that self-help events and organizations and personalities are often predatory and exploitative way before that. Mm-hmm. Like the way they do business is often predatory and exploitative, even before you get to the point of tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's also the case that when they have these big splashy events or when, when these big splashy events happen, and then there's a conviction, right? Like, so James went to prison for less than two years, but he did go to prison. He was convicted. Keith Ranieri is convicted to 99 years or whatever. And we get it in our head as a culture, like, oh, the system works. The bad guy got caught. Something that we really want to raise consciousness about the fact is, saying, hey, there are lots more bad guys out there because of the way that the industry enables you know, their behavior. Mm-hmm. But it's also the case that if you look at some of these convictions, even Ranieri and James Arthur Ray, it wasn't an easy thing to uh, to convict them. In, in fact, James Arthur Ray was not like he was convicted of negligent homicide. He was originally charged with, correct me if I'm wrong, manslaughter, right? Correct. The legal system has to bend over backwards sometimes to actually convict these guys. Keith Ranieri had to be convicted on trafficking charges, actually. Um, had he not taken that extra step, he might not have gotten convicted. Mm-hmm. In the trial, the prosecutor was unable to show that he had prior knowledge that this was dangerous, which was <laughs> needed to prove manslaughter. But he did have prior knowledge. People had been harmed before. Someone had warned him the, the year before that if you continue to do this, someone is going to die. He knew what he was doing was very risky. And yet he continued to do it. The people at Angel Valley were concerned about his behavior. People on his teams were concerned. So he had prior knowledge, but the the judge would only allow information that was pertinent to the two and a half hours that people were actually in the sweat lodge. Mm -hmm. So it was almost impossible for her to prove prior knowledge so that he would have been convicted of manslaughter. So we learned that it's a court of law, not necessarily justice, and that his lawyers were able to pull up different things to prevent really important information from coming before the jury. This legislation is important because it it also puts the whole issue kind of on the radar of people who are responsible for people's safety. We're a very safety conscious country. And like, you know, I like to piggyback on Dr. Doyle, 
I don't necessarily like regis- legislation and regulation. I, you know, I grew up in the 60s. You know, we're like not not for that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> Even, uh, you know, like <laughs> when seatbelts came in, it took a while, you know. <laughs> so I'm not like all for everything being regulated all the time. But there's so much egregious, damaging, potentially damaging behavior on the part of some of these practitioners that there has to be something on the books that tries to reel them in. You know, and and in going back to talking about kind of what happened in the trial, I personally feel that if this incident had happened now, you know, more recently, And if the trial was happening now, more recently, as opposed to it was back in 2011, I think the outcome would actually be quite different. Because again, I think that our understanding of what is happening um, in these types of settings has evolved. Our understanding of coercive control has evolved. Even in the legal system, the legal system is starting to get a much better handle on the concept of coercive control. And so, again, this is part of why the legislation, the the bill that we have has evolved. It has gone through many iterations. The very first version of the bill was very bare bones. It really didn't have a lot of detail and I remember when, you know, we first saw it, we kind of said, okay, well, at least there's something, right? <laughs> at least there's something here and it's not perfect, but, you know, at least at least it's something. Whereas the last couple of versions of the bill have had a lot more detail, including language specifically mentioning coercive control, which is important, and also kind of spelling out in more detail some of the activities that we're talking about that could be potentially harmful. So again, I think this is why in a way it's kind of good that, you know, the bill has had this time to evolve and that I think that what we are ending up with now, which is hopefully, you know, actually going to get to the floor to be voted on in the legislative session in 2024, I think that version of the bill will be a lot more impactful than the original bill that we had back in 2015 or whenever it was. Mm-hmm. You bet. You bet. We've been really lucky along the way. Like, so as this legislation has been shaped, like we've been really lucky to have the, the input and guidance of, of certain sponsors you know, in the assembly and, and, and in uh, Albany, you know, we've been super lucky to have the guidance of, uh, of Sandy Galef and Senator Skoufis have really recognized the value of this type of, of legislation and have been with us from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And something that has been just, I think, confusing for those of us who aren't into politics and government, those of us who do not have master's degree in public policy. <laughs> As Jean frequently reminds me when we talk, when we talk about this stuff, because I'm like, I want it now, and Jean's like, no, but no, but I mean, it's been really, I'm gonna say, interesting. On the one hand, I mean, it has been interesting, but it's been frustrating to kind of get to this point. Like it seems we get to this point frequently, where we are told that, um, yeah, man, it's 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 right on the verge. It's right on the verge of coming to the floor. And then it gets kind of swatted away by other legislative priorities, not because it's a bad bill, 
but just because this is the nature of of legislative priorities and and mm-hmm. something that i think i've learned anyway is that you know lawmaking bodies are really responsive to you know, current demands and current pressures. Right. In these last few years, there's been a few things going on in the world. <laughs> there have been a few things occupying Albany. So we'll get to that point where it's like, you know, we'll get from our sponsors to get, oh no, it's 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 on the verge. Mm-hmm. And then other priorities will, will come on in. But um so just I think for our listeners it might be helpful to just talk about some of the the things that are in the bill. One of the things in the bill is that the practitioner has to put in a large print format exactly what activities they're going to do that may involve risk. So whether it's trust exercises, strength exercises, a sweat lodge, whether it's different activities that really are where coercive control techniques are being used, whether they're activities that involve things like food deprivation, sleep deprivation, water deprivation, social isolation, exposure to loud music, firewalking, hypnosis, activities that use breath manipulation to limit oxygen levels and induce altered mental states obstacle courses. So it's it's very specific with lots of different activities. And then a provision that clearly and, comp- and conspicuously states the necessary information for people to cancel if they decide that they don't want to attend once they have seen what the potential risks are, and then a comprehensive risk management program. If you're asking people to take a risk, You have to provide reasonable protection for them taking that risk. When you attend a marathon, there's risk involved, but you're going to have water tents. You're going to have medical personnel on hand. So that gets spelled out as well. Medical attention needs to be present. And if people are being asked to take an emotional risk, mental health professionals that have licenses need to be present to help mitigate the risk that people have been willingly taking. Because in the past, when people have willingly taken a risk, people go, well, you know, I mean, they they took a risk. Well, yeah, but everybody has to sign a waiver at these events. That's right. You always get a waiver, but you never get the corollary to the waiver, which is what is the event organizer doing to help mitigate these risks. And, you know, one of the things that I think we we like to recognize is that people love things like this. People love Tony Robbins's Firewalk. People love the Sweat Lodge, a spiritual warrior. People get this feeling, and this is a real thing that people go through, where doing a risky activity, you know, taking that risk, pushing yourself in a way that you may not have thought you could can be really impactful for people. It can have like a real, you know, effect on their, their feeling of their ability to overcome whatever it is in their lives that's holding them back. This is one of the big reasons that people go to events like this. So I like that in this bill, it recognizes that, you know, it's okay to run an event that has these types of activities in them. And that can still be really interesting and exciting and beneficial for people. 
but they're just, you just need something to make sure that they're not going to be harmed in a way that would be really unexpected. I mean, nobody expects that you're going to go to a so-called sweat lodge and die from it because yeah, sweat lodges have been run for a long time without people getting hurt, but they're run by people who have apprenticed for many, many years in how to run them. So Sure. Yeah, it's just this this issue of like, it's okay to do this. It's okay to have an event that's run by somebody who doesn't have some sort of credential. But then there needs to be a plan in place to deal with any types of, you know, unforeseen like tragedies or, you know, any kind of accident that could happen at the event. Emergency information yeah. that, that they, they weren't even within cell range at this event, you know, that... It, things need to be put in place so that if something happens that's truly an accident, there's access to take care of that immediately. Mm -hmm. yeah. what, what we're really talking about is a concept in the mental health field that we call informed consent. Because mm -hmm. no one in the world is saying that you don't have a right to take risks. You do. And for that matter, Engaging in mental health treatment is a risk. Engaging in medical health treatment is a risk. Mm -hmm. But in mental health and, and medical settings, there needs to be meaningful informed consent. That means that when you come to me as a psychologist, I'm going to be upfront about the methods that I use. So you can make a meaningful decision about whether you're into it or not. One of the big selling points of uh, a subset of, of these types of events was the secrecy. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is one of the reasons why the industry pushes back on this because yeah. they love the idea that they can sell a mystery box for $10,000. And, mm -hmm. and they, I, I think they realistically feel mm -hmm. that if they are required to list what they're going to do at this week long retreat, there are some people who would be like, mm, I'm not into it. And they would lose business. Mm -hmm. So they accurately perceive this to be a threat to uh, to their bottom line. But in this case, it's a very necessary threat because there needs to be meaningful informed consent if you're mm -hmm. going to take a risk. Yeah. And this is part of, you know, the consumer education angle of things that, yeah, there's something exciting about this idea of the mystery, but we're trying to tell people, okay, I, I get that, but that's a bit of a red flag. Like you bet. when you're you bet. dealing with, you know, your mental health or your physical health, these are not, you don't want to have that element of mystery. That's not safe because um, this is, you know, it, it really becomes this sort of safety issue. So but, yeah. I, what you're saying, Jean, I think is really important for people to understand. We're not against experiences. Yeah. We know that some people really love experiences and Kirby was a very physical person and some people are just that is really going to as you say be impactful and powerful for them and really important and they're always going to gravitate towards the experience and I think experiences are awesome I think they're great but whoever is giving the experience has to take responsibility to let people know if the risk is involved and to also tell them what I'm going to do to protect you and keep you safe. Not just say, trust me, but mm -hmm. show you 
that I'm going to have things in place that will take care of you. If there's an accident, if something happens. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the law of attraction, Jenny would say that, that you're just, you know, you're, those are negative beliefs and you're setting yourself up for negative. <laughs> and I kind of joke about that, but that is the spiel, right? Like, right. like it, there is a subset of these personalities who, if you bring this to them, Mm -hmm. And say, look, you need to be clear about what I'm walking into because I want to give meaningful, informed consent. They really will come back at you with, well, your lack of faith disturbs me. You know, how do you expect this to work for you if you can't go all in? Do you not trust me? I'm your guru. Do you not trust me? Yeah. And this is where we see elements of, of coercive control. And we'll be mm -hmm. talking more about this throughout Seek Week and, and some of our mm -hmm. other and some of our other events. But um and I think the yeah. piece to this is it, it's hard for people to imagine, you know, we have a willful suspension of disbelief because people say, well, this person's running a business. They wouldn't deliberately be yeah. in danger. That would be crazy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. That would, if someone gets really seriously hurt here, that's going to blow up his business. So yeah. he, th that person would not do that. So then that that buys into that desire to just trust and go i'm all in so yeah. you know we've we've always felt that we need both tenants of this organization but let's yeah. try to do whatever we can to try to make the industry more responsible but at the same time let's educate people as to you know what they're looking for what it is they want how to evaluate their own vulnerabilities and mm -hmm protect themselves. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I think what we're talking about here is, Glenn, you, you brought up this idea last night and tonight that we're not just talking about bad actors. We're not just talking about the bad guys in the industry. We're also getting to the kind of culture of this industry. And some of these things are kind of like cultural issues that aren't going to be addressed if we're just talking about the bad guys. So we've talked, you know, we had an episode of our podcast all about the law of attraction. And that was, that was a really popular episode. People liked it. And, you know, one of the things we said was, yeah, like there's something interesting and, and probably like accurate in the idea of the law of attraction. You know, the idea that a positive mindset kind of sets you up to have more positive experiences and have more positive things happen in your life. There's probably something there, but there's also this kind of insidious thing that slides into the self-help industry where if you're, you know, you've put everything on the law of attraction and to the point where, you know, you're saying, I can't even talk about risk or think about risk at my event because it's going to attract something bad to my event. Mm -hmm which is a mentality that we heard after Sedona, mm -hmm. which was just like kind of mind boggling, but that is something that we heard from people. Oh, well, they must have done something to attract this to them. That's the kind of, I mean, I almost want to say it's like something rotten within the industry that unless we address that kind of issue, it doesn't matter. You, you're dealing with the bad guys is going to be a game of whack-a-mole. There's something something deeper there that both the practitioners and the consumers need to understand about, you know, you can't just positive mindset your way out of 
certain physical realities. Well, you you say that, and yet that pot that that episode of our podcast about the law of attraction was so popular. I manifested that. You know that, right? <laughs> like I sat here and I I meditated. I drew it right in. Yeah. No, but I mean, when when we're talking about the industry and we're talking about kind of the structure of the industry, something I I say frequently. I, I say it so often. I sound like a broken record. My people listening to this are going like, he sounds like a broken all, record all the time. Don't listen to him. <laughs> But something I always say is that something that is powerful enough to change your life positively is also powerful enough to mess you up. Like if something has the the potential to powerfully impact your life in a good way, mm-hmm. by definition, it has the potential to negatively to negatively impact yes. your life, right? Yes. And if that's true, then we need to take this idea of of proportional risk. Seriously, yeah. Now, when when I uh, support people in develop trauma in developing trauma recovery plans, like you can ask anybody I work with, like a big chunk of what we do is planning for the unexpected. Now, does that mean that 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 we are wanting triggers to happen every minute of the day? No, it's an acknowledgement of the fact that stuff happens that we're not expecting. Mm-hmm. But never underestimate the uh, potential narcissism and egotism of certain self-help personalities. Like we use James Arthur Ray as as an example. I don't think James didn't have medical folks standing by because he was dumb. Although that, but no, I, I don't think that's the. I don't think that's the case. I think he was arrogant enough to think this couldn't possibly go wrong. Right, so there's no accounting for human error. There's no accounting for human egotism and 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 that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we have uh, words from our from our sponsors, don't we? We have from from, uh, our, from our legislative sponsors. Right? Yeah, from our legislative sponsors. So, we've had, as we mentioned, we've had our legislative sponsors who have been with us kind of right from the beginning, and we're really grateful to them, Senator Scoofus actually came to our our event last year. And so this is our Senate sponsor, and I'll, I'll play a little message that we had from him. So this is our Senate sponsor, Senator James Scoofus. Hi, everyone. I'm Senator James Scoofus. I'm the proud sponsor of Senate Bill 1155, which is all about transparency, consumer safety, and accountability for self-help practitioners. I first met George and Ginny Brown several years ago. They approached my office with a heartbreaking story in hopes of addressing a system that failed their daughter, Kirby. Their determination transformed their grief into a force for positive change was inspiring. They shared memories of Kirby and the tragic story that had led them to found Seek Safely, an initiative that raises awareness against irresponsible actors in the self-help community. It was a no-brainer that something had to be done in Kirby's name to honor her legacy by preventing what happened to her from happening to anyone else. Our bill would ensure New Yorkers are informed about the potential risks and dangers associated with activities like sweat lodges that are often hosted by self-help practitioners. It's time that self-help practitioners are held accountable for their actions. I'm immensely proud to stand alongside the Brown family as we champion this legislation, which is long overdue to pass and be signed into law. As we gear up for the upcoming legislative session, I remain fully committed to seeing this effort through in Kirby's memory. 
Thank you all for your support of Seek Safely and working to make New York a more responsible, safer state. So thank you to Senator Scofis for those words of encouragement and for your continued support with this bill. Um, one of the things that we also wanted to talk about tonight was the fact that there are some things that you guys can do to kind of help support this effort, especially if you're a New York state resident, but even if you're not a New York state resident, you know, reaching out to your local representatives it has an impact. I mean, they don't they don't hear from a ton of their constituents. So when they do hear from constituents, they pay attention. We want to let them know that this is something that's on our radar. So if you're a self-help consumer and you want to know that you're going to be protected at a self-help event or you want to know that you can expect informed consent when you're at an event, this is the kind of thing that you want to be asking your representative to get behind. So we also have a message from our assembly sponsor, Dana Levenberg, and I will play that for you right now. Hi, everybody. My name is Dana Levenberg. I'm the assemblywoman representing the 95th Assembly District, which is a little chunk of Westchester County that goes from Briarcliff Manor and Austin up to Peekskill and then a little piece of Putnam County, Cold Spring, Garris, Nelsonville, town of Phillipstown. I'm so happy to be here with you tonight and to recognize all of the incredible work that you have been doing on behalf of those very precious lives that were lost. And Kirby, James, and Liz, I know that they're looking down on you and thanking you for learning from them and bringing the lessons out into the world to improve lives for so many people. I also just wanted to give a big shout out to my predecessor, Assemblywoman Sandy Galef. Uh, she has very, very large shoes to fill, but I'm happy to be carrying the torch on this bill to protect those self-help seekers from an industry that might be taking advantage of them and make sure that we bring ethics and regulation to those uh, who are those self-help gurus professed people who are making trying to make it better maybe for others, but we want to make sure that they're not taking advantage of people or putting them in unsafe situations while others are looking to grow themselves and find their own path forward. So I'm very happy that we have been able to take some steps to hopefully move this bill forward next session, working together with Senator Scoofus's office. And again, a big shout out to Rebecca in my office, who's my legislative director director who is also passionate about making sure that we keep people safe in those people who are seeking growth and personal improvement that they aren't taken advantage of. And she's been working hard as well as one of my interns who took it upon herself to make this her intern project when she was working in my office from January to June to look at this bill and the legislation to see what might have been some sticking points and what we maybe could do to make it better and move it forward so that we can make sure that we do protect those seeking help. 
And uh, I think that we're, we're moving in that direction. I know, I believe that uh, Rebecca has actually spoken with Ginny and I'm grateful for the feedback that we've received from you. We know that you guys are boots on the ground and that's so important, but we also want to make sure that we can actually have a bill that moves forward. So hopefully this session, we can do that again with your help. It's so important to have advocates who are on the ground with people who are looking for that help. And I know you've been collecting signatures, reaching out, doing so much good work in the field of educating people. So let's make sure that we continue to work together to get this bill moving this session. I know that I'm going to do whatever I can as a sponsor of this bill to do that. And again, I hope that we can partner with you to make that all happen. So, yeah, thanks again to Assemblywoman Levenberg. It's been amazing to have her on board. She's a new Assemblywoman. She, you know, won the seat that Sandy Gilliff used to occupy. So we're really happy that she was on board with us right from the get-go. That's been really awesome. Every time I watch one of those videos, I'm like, wow, we've done a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like when we're involved day to day, it's like we get frustrated with like this thing isn't moving forward at all. But 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 really, I mean... One of the things that I think is useful about things like Seek Week and the Kirby Jam is to take a look back and say that over the last decade, we've we've really kind of moved, uh, you know, moved the Overton win the Overton window. We've really moved the game. You know, Gene, you were um, saying you know things that you can do to to help us along. So so sure, you can reach out to your elected representatives and and make them aware that this is a problem. Um, unregulated, uncredentialed self-help practitioners. We never know what to call them. We don't like to call them gurus, but unregulated self-help practitioners figures are offering events and products and services that are under scrutinized and underregulated. You can do that. Something big that you can do, and you know what I'm going to say next, something big that you can do to support our efforts. This week, we are we are raising funds. If you go to the Dr. Glenn Patrick Doyle Facebook page or my personal Facebook page at Glenn Patrick Doyle, you'll see the Facebook fundraiser that we have going on. You know, we do this uh, once a year, like, like sometimes we also do like little birthday fundraisers or, or whatnot, but our big fundraising push is once a year. And people ask, like, so what do you use this money for? Part of what we do is, um, you know, we stay engaged with this legislative process. You know, it, it allows us to do things like outreach. It allows us to do things like education. It allows us to do things like keep the Seek Safely podcast where we tell these stories and we push these ideas kind of out to a wider audience. It keeps us in business. So if you don't happen to be in New York State and you don't have the opportunity to reach out to your elected representatives, but you still believe in this cause and you still find value in the work that we do, head on over to, uh, to my page and uh, throw us a couple bucks. I mean, it really, really makes the difference. The vast majority of our support comes in, in small, relatively small dollar donations from folks just like you. That's that's my spiel. That's my pitch. <laughs> I, like it. I was gearing that's up to that. I was like, I like when you do that. I hate asking people for money, but it's true. We do oh, need money like to it. keep that's operating. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to say thank you to everyone who joined us tonight as well. I can I see you guys there on Facebook, on YouTube, leaving comments. You know, this idea of informed consent really resonated with the people who are viewing tonight because, again, I think that this is a concept that we've come culturally to start to understand a lot better just even in this last decade 
last five years even. And that's a really big thing when it comes to, again, people seeing the need for this kind of legislation. So I'm glad that that is resonating with all of you out there watching. And uh, yeah, you can also go to seeksafely.org. We've got links to our auction up there and links to donate as well. And you can also find more information about the legislation. I probably will need to do a little updating soon <laughs> as we get closer to the new session and we find out exactly what the the bill that will be tabled will look like. We will keep we keep updating that as as the things change. So but you can definitely go there and find some more information. Just seeksafely.org slash legislation or the legislative tab at the top of our website. I also want to acknowledge one of our board members who couldn't be with us tonight, but Tony Kirby, who is also a family member. Tony has been like the driving force behind this legislation from our end of things for many, many years. We really leaned on him in part because he worked for the New York State Thruway Authority for many years. So he had contacts in the New York State government. And I mean... It can be hard sometimes to to reach people or to get them to reply because they're busy. And Tony just never he's been he's been on the case, and I think it's his efforts are a large part of the reason why we've got Senator Scofus on our side. We've got Assemblywoman Levenberg on our side. They know that this is important. They understand that it it really needs to happen, and so we're really really grateful to my uncle Tony. <laughs> yeah, Tony's been great and so appreciative meetings that I had with him with uh, legislators in Albany, people in the State Department, people on the Consumer Protection Committees. So Tony has done an amazing job and has been really helpful in getting us where we are. Yeah, exactly. Jean, what, what does the rest of Seek Week look like? All right. Well, we've got, uh, again, you can go to seeksafely.org. We've got the whole schedule up there. But tomorrow night, we're going to change gears a little bit. We won't be on Facebook and YouTube. Tomorrow night, we're going to be live on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. And tomorrow night is going to be a fun one. It's our self-help geek off. self-help uh, geek off. Yeah. With the, with the achievement. Yeah, <laughs> with the two docs. So we've got Dr. Doyle and Dr. Christine Whalen. And if you have ever listened, have you? if you've ever caught Dr. Christine Whalen on our podcast, you'll know how clearly Dr. Christine and Dr. Glenn could just talk for hours about <laughs> self-help books, self-help people and personalities. I won't let them talk for hours tomorrow, but I am going to let them just kind of go. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Have a good time. I yeah, we'll, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens. I'll get the coffee ready, I guess. Um, <laughs> when, when, so that'll definitely we, be a fun one. Whenever we have Christine Whalen on, on our, on our podcast, again, I, I, I spoke to this last night. The process of our podcast is we ramble for, sometimes a couple hours and then our editors will you know they they chop it down to like a listenable 50 minutes or so and that task is particularly difficult when christine is our guest because she and i love to rap we love to rap about self-help and and so tomorrow night 
we are just gonna we're, we're gonna wrap uh gene is uh, has the enviable task of moderating us we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk about about self-help because again something that that i feel strongly about is our org is not anti-self-help like most of us are involved because we are self-help people uh kirby brown was a self-help person absolutely right? So tomorrow yeah. night is true to this to the spirit of of the org. We like self help. We want self help to be safe and accessible and ethical and transparent. Yeah. So so that's tomorrow night. That's tomorrow night. Wednesday On Instagram night. live. Yeah, tomorrow night. Cindy, tomorrow night is at eight p.m. Eastern time. That's what seven p.m. Central time. Yep. So that's tomorrow night. Wednesday night we'll be doing kind of our podcast sizzle reel we're gonna play some sizzle of our sizzle, some of our yeah. favorite clips from the the podcast and glenn and i will be there and again you're welcome to join us that'll be back here on facebook and youtube so if you join us you can ask us questions you can tell us what you love about the podcast if you hate anything about the podcast i guess we'll no, take that under advisement as well that's fine <laughs> So that's on Wednesday. Thursday, we'll be back on Instagram again with Ask Dr. Doyle. So you can ask some interesting questions about trauma recovery, mental health, self-help. Uh, that'll be or on the Beatles, Thursday. classic or the rock. Beatles. We can talk or about Abbey music. Road, the cat, Abbey Road, the cat. Hey, I got to tell you guys something. Abbey Road, the cat. I don't know if I told you guys this. Abbey Road, the cat is generating fan art. Did hmm. I tell you this? No. I have now received the second piece of Abbey Road fan art that has been sent in by by a fan. And so I'll post them on, on Instagram in a little bit. One of our viewers, Dr. Glenn, wants to know if you will sing. I might sing. You know what? So, so, so right after this, <laughs> I'm going to head on back to the Dr. Glenn Patrick Doyle. So we did this last night. I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, last night after the stream, I went back to my page and talk to uh, about James and Sedona for another hour and a half. Cause I know you guys love talking about it, but um, so, so anyway, so we, whenever I'm on my page live streaming while I wait for people to show up, we, we mm -hmm. sing a little ditty last night. We sang a little bit of Beatles. So mm -hmm. maybe we'll sing. Uh, all right. Doing Kirby stories. Yep. Friday night's going to be Kirby stories. And then on Saturday, we're going to have a special interview with Jenny Brown. With Jenny Brown, founder yeah. of Seek Safely. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so man. again, you can get that schedule breakdown. I've posted it on you know Facebook and all around a couple times. But if you go to our, our main page, uh, seeksafely.org, we've got all that information there, what the topics are, the time, and where to find them. So yeah, we hope to see everybody tomorrow as well. Thank you for everyone who stuck with us tonight. You guys all kind of hung out the whole time, which is amazing. I hope it was interesting and informative about what we're doing with this legislation. And thank you all for your comments. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's good. It's always good to know that this stuff is kind of making sense to people and resonating. So we very much appreciate everyone who's been watching. Thank all right. You. Thanks, Dr. Glenn. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. See y'all. See y'all yeah, soon. We'll see ya. Okay. Night, night. You can learn more about Seek Safely's mission and values 
or get involved yourself at seeksafely.org. You can follow and connect with Seek Safely on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can follow me, Dr. Glenn Patrick Doyle, for psychology, trauma, and advocacy content on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, seek safely.